0: On March 12, 2016, the United States Navy established an elite school for the top 1% of posters. Its purpose was to teach the lost art of riffing and to ensure that the handful of men who graduated were among the most annoying in the world. Today, the Navy calls it Reply Guy Weapons School. The posters call it Chapo Trap House. Greetings, everybody. It's Chapo. <laughs> We're, we're rounding out Top Gun week here with the American Prestige Boys. Yesterday, I recorded an episode of their show about the original Top Gun. And today, we are, of course, talking about the newly released Top Gun Maverick. Joining me to discuss is, of course, Matt Christman, call sign squib, Danny Bessner, call sign professor, Derek Davison, call sign Vulcan, Chris Wade, call sign <laughs> trick shot, and Will Menacher. <laughs> Call sign Bobcat, <laughs> gentlemen, <laughs> gentlemen. It's Top Gun Maverick. So copybara is Capybara's not high tea enough? <laughs> well, it's too many syllables. <laughs> it, I was gonna go. I was gonna go with Catboy. You know, it's like a cowboy, but for cats. <laughs> yeah, that's what, that's what that refers to, right? Yeah. Or you know, gentlemen, feel free to, to you know, this, this is just my call signs for you off the top of my head. But feel free to uh, give yourself a call sign uh, for the dura- the duration of this podcast where we'll be talking about. No, that's pretty top cool. Gun.
1: Professor seems like that would have been a real call sign, actually. Oh yeah,
2: <laughs> it's like yeah, you're you're the guy with glasses, you know. You're the professor, yeah. by the way, <laughs> so I know we're me off, but like that threw me off. They can't allow guys with glasses
3: into that program. I'm sorry <laughs>
2: <laughs> if, if they are letting guys. With glasses,
1: yeah, that, that's actually
3: Top
2: Gun. Political correctness has indeed that, gone it's too run far. amok. Yeah.
3: All right. So, like
0: I said, uh, Danny Derek, we discussed your Top Gun OG, original Top Gun, yesterday, but now. We are on to the newly released Top Gun Maverick. So, gentlemen, just your, your opening thoughts on Top Gun Maverick.
3: Well, I just want to say I'm very excited because since we recorded yesterday's episode, I got my uh, fifth gen fighter in the mail uh, and I'm looking forward to <laughs> taking it for a test, <laughs> test flight, uh, you know, over the weekend. I'm, I'm pretty psyched about that. So, uh, you know, just fifth gen fighters for the win. Danny, your thoughts on Top Gun Maverick.
1: It's really interesting because it just is the last of its kind in in every way. I mean, to me, it's really a movie about movie making. It's really a movie that, that is such an explicit commentary on Tom Cruise's position in popular culture. Basically, like 10 minutes into him, they effectively refer to him as the last movie star, the last of his kind. And the idea being is that this kicks ass and we're all going to have a great time, but you're not going to see more of these going forward. So... Uh, There's that whole military aspect, but much more so than the first one. This is really about movies in a way that the first one wasn't really at all.
3: See, I I felt like this was what you get when you have a movie that's made to be a military training montage, basically, or, you know, sort of a recruitment montage. But you, you don't have Tony Scott directing and riding herd on it to make sure that it's like it's still focused on just like cool shit like cool you know cool scenes of planes flying it was this this one got more into the weeds of like oh we could use the f-35 but maybe we should use the f-18 you know uh and it, it felt like much more much more military kind of you know what what you get when the military is is sort of telling you what your script is uh or what it wants to see in the script, and, and you're just sort of accepting it.
2: There isn't the, uh, the sort of the auteurist vision to like contrast with the mandated uh, Department of Defense propaganda. It's just this, this uh, smooth studio machine that is also uh, just pure propaganda. So yeah, there's less. It doesn't have the grit. Specifically, it does not have the moisture because the one big difference <laughs> between these two films, as I've talked about before, Uh, is that Top Gun is a soaking wet movie in a tradition of early, (laughs) late 80s, early 90s. Like from 86 to 96 is like the wet decade in American Hollywood cinema. When every movie, everybody is just sweating their balls off or they just got out of the water. There's just beads everywhere. Uh, And then we just got rid of it. No more. Everyone's dry as shit now. And Top Gun, this movie is a perfect example. The original Top Gun is just swimming. Here, even though they're fucking on the beach playing uh, uh, double-barrel football with each other in the, in the, the pale,
3: uh,
2: in the pale uh, <laughs> reflection of the original uh, volleyball scene, everyone, they might, I mean, maybe they're like, they got some baby oil on, but like, just the beaded wetness. And I think I associate that, maybe because I saw these movies at a crucial developmental stage, I, I, I associate that with, yes, some heart. You know, some vision behind the camera, some blood that's pumping that isn't just "Hey, join the Naval Air Academy" or whatever the fuck. Oh god, join the Navy like the Simpsons. Evat <laughs> et <laughs> and,
1: and Biden, as I think you guys have mentioned before, is our driest president. So it's very yep. much of the era yes, in that it's regard. It's a very dry, yeah. a dry ass era.
0: Yeah, I just watched yeah. the original Top Gun uh, yesterday for uh, Danny and Derek's pod. And you're right, Matt. Uh, all the scenes of the dudes on the aircraft carrier like looking at bogeys on the radar are just pouring sweat like Patrick Ewing at the foul line. Yeah. Just there, <laughs> there's a guy chomping a big cigar. His whole head is bicked. It's all balded up. So you can see all the sweat glistening on his giant dome. Yep, uh, and
2: we even had it. We have a bald uh, admiral in this movie. Uh, Ed Harris shows up in one scene. He's bald. Yeah, but he looks very dry. But he's very he dry looks, bald. <laughs> like yeah. they, they chalked it up. <laughs> he looks like a
0: skeleton. He looks, Ed Harris in the one scene he's in in this movie looks like a skeleton. He looks like a skull.
3: Yeah, he's, he's getting there. He looks there. like Skull face from the Metal Gear Solid games. Yeah, I, I want to say, like, like I mean, I don't know if there's any parallel to draw here between, like, the death of the fun action movie and this being, like, you know, the end of that that type of film. But there were no characters in the first Top Gun who ranked even like captain or higher. And this movie is riddled with admirals who are all the administrative load of the American fucking <laughs> state, man.
1: Exactly. Yeah. Every yeah, that's institution totally right.
2: in American life is now vastly more top heavy and <laughs> uh than it was at that time. Way more administrators, way more uh, officers just dicking around and
4: sending memos to each other. Okay, Chris, you want to go? Yeah, I just have one thing to add to this episode. I don't really have any takes on the movies. It was a lot of fun, whatever. The new trend of putting actual commercials inside the trailer blocks before movies is disgusting and shameful. It's in fact, (laughs) the entire pre-movie content block has gotten wildly out of control there's it's bad mix of advertorials prestige tv commercials what they're doing with like the filling up the maria menudo segment with like yeah, bloggers and whoever here. straw hat goofy is I, it's <laughs> out of control i, I will not accept, ask for maria menudos i will even accept i will accept going back to just the pre-show maria menudos just maria menudos maybe you want to put some ticky tacky ads some ads for tv in there then the trailers start, and there's trailers, and when the trailers are over, the movie starts. You know what, Nicole Kidman telling you about how,
2: how <laughs> oh, good God, Heartbreak yeah. feels in
3: a time, place like this? With, with her, like, rubber face mask. By the way, um,
2: they picked the absolute worst movie star to do that ad, because if what they're trying to do there is get people back in the theaters and fight the rising tide of, like, streaming content, lapping at the at, the, at this point, at the fucking hips of the cinematic film experience, you're going to put in somebody who is, like, one of the top A-listers to do almost exclusively streaming bullshit in the last five years. It's true. Get somebody who... There are a few stars who are holding out. And get one of them up. Tom Cruise. On. There's Tom Leonardo Cruise, for example. Uh, DiCaprio. DiCaprio. DiCaprio Brandon. is not
4: going on any fucking TV bullshit. Yeah. Did your guys' screening start with the brief message from Tom yes. Cruise yes. there yes. to assure yes. you that these yes. are real F-18? This coif was <laughs> yeah. amazing. I, I uh, a I, 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 I little bit I that. I saluted but, yeah. Matt, to your point, that whole, like, the confusion of what that whole pre-show block is, where it moves seamlessly from ads, and then maybe something that looks like a commercial, but then turns out to be an ad, and then here's a trailer, but no, it's a trailer for a prestige TV show, and then a few trailers, and then an ad, and then the movie starts. It is giving the absolute wrong message that this is all just content. This is all just slurry. Streaming slurry. Right. Uh, It it, it devalues the movies. Get that shit out of there. All right, that's my only take for the movie. I'll let you guys go go at it.
2: Absolutely. Co-sign all of that. What they Stop should the put map. in is I'll the, take half an hour of of, of credits, but if or I'll, I'll have to I'll take half an hour of, of trailers, but that's it. Just give me trailers. There should, there should just give be a, a brief message
3: mind. with Mr. Burns singing, "Let's all go to the lobby." Well, and that's, have that's <laughs> You need the CGI and thing where you are like a couple of trailers.
2: You are know, in a roller coaster going, and there is like yeah, you are get, getting hit in the face by raisins. <laughs> <That, laughs> you can keep
0: that. All right, before we get into the movie, uh, I just I simply have to register. My my thoughts on Top Gun Maverick. It is simply this. Top Gun Maverick is an OT Level 7 movie. And what, <laughs> despite least. what you may hear, it's a, it's an OT Level 7 movie. And despite what you may hear or what anyone says on this podcast, if they have anything even slightly critical to say of Top Gun Maverick, they are SP, Suppressive Persons, <laughs> and or PTS, Potential <laughs> Trouble Sources. Uh, they are PC Pre-Clear. Um. Uh, this is a movie. This is this is a movie that uh, that analyzes PTP present time problems, second dynamics, and affinity reality and communication, um, and MEST material things from matter, energy, space, and time. If I if I if I could say one thing, even if I could dent this otherwise unalloyed masterpiece with just one simple criticism, it is this: it is not gay at all. Whereas the first movie. <laughs> is uh, only Kenneth Anger yeah. has made a movie gayer than Tony Scott's original Top Gun. Yeah. So uh, Top Gun Maverick it is denuded of all homoeroticism like every other
2: big movie made nowadays. <laughs> yes. It's part of the fucking trend. Everything is drier in every sense the passion has drained out of it. They don't fucking movies anymore. But, there, there is sort and of and <laughs> they don't have uncle. like a they don't have fucking movies anymore and they don't yeah. have, they don't have crackling uh, sexual energy of any kind suppressed overt it's all just been completely uh, drained of anything other than like just that that Marvel uh, r- removed uh, s- uh, sarcasm. That's the only way I you think can you view could,
3: anybody. You can view the like Goose Maverick relationship as a sort of uncle nephew storyline which Yes, absolutely. helps a little, but yeah, which it's just, not it's not gay. It, it, at and all. it confirms to a roo- the uh, Rooster Rooster. Rooster. A rooster. Yeah.
2: Yeah, right, no, yeah, that's rooster, uncle yeah. that's uncle magic. Totally not gay. Excuse me, I- sir. I w- Nothing gay about Uncle Magic. <laughs>
3: no, I'm just saying it's a it's sort of a replacement for the the game yeah, magic uh, for the first one. You know, sense, I mean uh, it pales. Tom, uh, uh, Pete Maverick I Mitchell. Turned the
0: opposite
2: of the Northman, I realized.
0: <laughs> like, <laughs> the you show North- your dad, and then
2: you yeah, run away, and true. then you come back, and you're like, actually, you're pretty cool. Not a lot of uncle magic in
0: that <laughs> one. Yeah. Uh, yeah uh, Pete Maverick Mitchell and um, uh, uh, Rooster's, uh, no, Goose's son, Rooster. Goose's son,
2: yeah. Rooster. That Goose's- got a chuckle lot of me when I first heard that, I will say.
3: <laughs>
0: yeah, no, there uh, is... They definitely have an uncle magic relationship. They are retaining semen together and studying the knowledge of the ancient proto wolves. They are they are building, He is building a, a magnificent nephew, in Rooster. Uh, no, yeah, I will say though, um, it's just like if you take a, once you take out the homoeroticism from Top Gun, I will say this though, the Tom Cruise. Uh, Tom Cruise has up, upgraded his firmware as it relates to uh, relating to women on screen. Yes, because his relationship with Jennifer Connelly in this movie seems like something that two human beings could actually like uh, conceive of. <laughs> Unlike yes. his relationship with uh, Kelly McGillis in the first Top Gun, which as Derek and Danny and I discussed yesterday, one of the weirdest things just ever. Put very in script, strange. Just a very dynamic. strange portrayal the of uh, the the
2: romance between yeah, like two the adults. Subplot, uh, subplot with a. The- with jennifer connelly that could be a nicholas sparks movie (laughs) like it's got the nice well-appointed bar it's got sailing (laughs) yeah it's got (laughs) flying around in a classic world war ii uh airplane that that's literally like a a a, a woman's picture they they, none of that weird creepy like what's going on here am i do i have a fever thing you get from watching (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, the original Top Gun relationship.
1: And, and that's kind of a problem with the with the movie's charm, right? Like, Matt, you were saying, it doesn't have the, the Tony Scott choppiness of it. and And that is, I think, a loss. It works better as a movie, in a sense, than the first one. It makes a lot more logical sense. The relationships make more sense. It flows better. There's no just totally disjointed scenes like the Great Balls of Fire scene, which becomes key to this entire movie, which is kind of funny, um, but it, I think it works better as a traditional movie, but it's not as, enti- it's not as vital. It doesn't have the early 19th century romanticism of, of Tony Scott.
0: Uh, but what this movie does have and has in abundance is probably the coolest sequences of people flying fucking fighter planes ever put to face. I will say that. So the yeah. fucking, the F-18, just all the fucking dogfighting scenes in this movie with real fucking planes are thrilling, incredible just it's like you can see the actors get hit with like
2: 10 g's pulling Uh, some of
0: those like
2: like i always i do think that's sort of a honestly a weak lincoln top gun the original is that for me anyway a lot of the airplane scenes i feel like i'm watching wings you know or like hell's 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 angels Angels. directed by uh howard Howard hughes just like it kind of feels like sometimes it feels like uh stock footage and because it's hard, it's very hard to do aerial combat because there's no points of reference and stuff and there's only no, like, fixed terrain. Uh, but they did it in this one. I was like, damn.
1: They did is, it really well. absolutely they, they,
2: riveting. Well done. That's, see, that's what you get for the advances in technology. That's the double-edged sword of progress
1: there. Yeah, you could feel the motion in this one.
2: Let's dive into the film itself. So I was like, I, I, saw, I saw it with
0: Catherine and we're sitting there like the lights come down waiting for the movie to start. And I just turned to Catherine and I'm like, this movie will be a success If I hear just just one little bit of one, just a little crumb of the God Kenny Loggins. How does the movie begin? Exactly the same way as the first one. You got the title (laughs) card about the uh, the fighter weapons program. You hear that bell ring. Doom. And then the afterburners kick off. Jet flies off an aircraft carrier, goes right into Highway to the Uh, Danger Zone. uh, And I was like, okay, uh, yeah. All right. Yeah, I'm thinking I'm going to enjoy this movie. You get you get you get Danger Zone right out of the gate, right out of the gate, you get danger zone. And then we, then, then, you know, it it like, you know, it grounds you in the original top gun, but then it's like, okay, it's like, you know, 40 years later. (laughs) And we, we meet up with, uh, with Pete Maverick Mitchell, Tom Cruise, and he is now a test pilot. And the first part of the movie is he, he, he's flying, um, an experimental Lockheed Martin jet. And yes,
3: you do see the Lockheed Martin logo. Prominently oh, displayed. Yes.
0: Prominently yes.
3: displayed. It he worked, fly- I mean, they worked with the, the filmmakers on this. Yeah. Very so, uh, here,
0: here, here's my opening question on the movie. So the, the movie begins with Tom Cruise flying an experimental aircraft, uh, that can go Mach 10, like, a like a spaceship basically goes Mach 10. But then a huge part of the plot of this movie is that a rogue nation who's our adversary unnamed, but you know, we can fill in the gaps there has access to fifth gen fighter, fifth planes. Gen fighters, fifth oh, gen God. fighters that the American military no. and the Navy does not have. Apparently we've been, <laughs> we've been lapped in fighter plane technology by fucking Iran. And they're like, like, they they just keep saying that like Iran has PS fives and, you know, we're still here on Xbox. Of Of course
2: we have fifth generation fighters and they mention one of them in the movie when they're talking about how they have to do this mission to blow up this reactor. They say we could use the. This would be ideal for the F thirty five, but they have a GPS scramblers, so we can't use it. It's like that's the pitch for the fifth generation fighters of America. This thing <laughs> that costs seven trillion dollars could be thwarted by Norton antivirus. Some,
3: I picked this up at Radio like, Shack the, and like, the F thirty five. So
2: it's. I'm sorry. So these guys have these guys have uh, scrambler G- GPS scramblers. Presumably, that's an available technology. So when will the F thirty five ever be useful then? <laughs>
1: Yeah, they, it's a cell phone. <laughs> We're not going to deal sure. with this,
2: like, this, like, uh, firewall that protects uh, installations from F-35s.
0: So, like, uh, we, get, we, get, we get a thrilling scene in the, the beginning of the movie of uh, Tom Cruise uh, uh, going Mach 10. And then uh, but against, you know, Maverick being Maverick, uh, disobeying the direct orders of General Raisin Kane, General Raisin Kane played by Ed Harris. Who's like, he's like, he's like the, the drone. He's the
3: drone admiral. He's and the he's crusty like, old Dean who wants yeah, to replace yeah. pilots with drones. Yeah.
0: Yeah. He
3: and again, like, future. he's
0: by the way, he's correct. Like there's no, there's no need to have pilots <laughs> fly planes at all anymore. <laughs> now with drones. But you know, like that's just not cool. And Top Gun, Pete Maverick Mitchell. he, he He's like, you know, uh, Ed Harris is like, you know, your time is over. The time of cool fighter jocks like you is going away. It's just going to be guys in trailers in Nevada. Just playing on a joystick. And then, and then Tom Cruise is like, maybe, but not today. And so, like, he gets shit canned from the Mach 10 program, and they send him right out back to the Top Gun Fighter School to teach a gang of, 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 the, of, like, of former Top Gun graduates who are being trained for a special mission to attack the civilian nuclear uh, energy program of a rogue nation that is obviously Iran. Yeah, <laughs> Iran it's about oh, it's about it's say, like it's, it's, it's a heavily it's like a bunker that's at the base of a mountain heavily fortified but it's about to come online look iran is three weeks away from being able to produce their own <laughs> chemotherapy <laughs> drugs and that's right. it's, uh, the, the, the navy fighting weapons school this is what it was made for to stop things like that from happening
3: this so, was this was where this i, I the started to, of a like, multilateral nato treaty okay yeah exactly <laughs>
4: Very specifically mentioned,
3: so much better at obfuscating the bad guy who the bad guys were in the first Top Gun. Like, it's so obvious that this is Iran. You you watch the first one and you're like, I mean, is it the Soviets? Is it China? Is it somebody else? I I thought it was Libya, but uh, well, because he's the the bad guy in the Iron Eagle film, which we talked about actually yesterday. (laughs) But uh, this one is like, you know, we didn't even put any thought into it. It's just clearly Iran. But Iran with that the doesn't fly F4s, which are like 50 years old at this point. They're, they're flying fifth gen fighters somehow.
1: They
2: got, yeah. But I actually Iran, like that. The Russians gave them to them. That's what happened.
1: But I, that's what I actually appreciate about both of these movies is that it doesn't matter who the enemy is. And that's the logic of the American empire. It just continues. There's no geostrategic anything, any justification for anything. It doesn't no. fucking matter. The United States is just going to pulverize whoever it wants, when it wants, around the world, wherever. So I actually really do appreciate that about both of these movies. They don't even pretend to give a shit about who the enemy might be. By the way, it should be China, you know, but they obviously can't do that for the Chinese market. Um, but so I, I really like that. It's just like, yeah, there's a boogeyman. Go, go after and kill them. There's no real reason why.
3: But it's it's there's they put a lot of work into creating... A like threat that people would find legitimate in this one that they didn't have to do thirty five years ago or whatever, and you could just assert that there's like you know countries out there that are you know have strong militaries that are you know have nukes that could kill us. This this time, I mean, you know, they have the enrichment thing, and also it's like in a valley that's you know basically the last twenty minutes of Star Wars. If you want to attack it. You know, and and also they have fifth gen fighters, like all the work that has to go in to creating a threat in this one is like right out there to to sort of observe. Yeah. And that's a modern thing.
2: you got to like, okay, you know, it's it's a it's a rogue nation that also has the most advanced aircraft in the world and all this. It's like, (laughs) all right, sure. Whatever. This non-existent country that we can plant country X.
1: Right, where we can
2: just take all of our disparate anxieties about existing countries that we have in the real world and like conglomerate them into one other that we use the military to pulverize, which is yes, that's the, that's how we sell it. It's like, we need this thing to do that job and also to make men who can do that job because the, the, the premise of all these sort of movies is, uh, like the real point of the U S military is to make guys like Maverick is to, uh, Make people rise to the occasion and fulfill virtues, and then be people that can lead and, and 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 inhabit our institutions. Like that is the purpose of all the military conflict: is that it makes us into uh, Tom Cruises. Like that's and yet, ironically, he gets in...
3: yelled at by admirals. The right. Well, that's <laughs> part of it, though. He's you like he's like be, McGonagall. Being a
2: hero, part of being a hero is you have to take initiative and you have to violate the law. Like that's part of the 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 uh, essential dilemma of it. Right? Is that like you need people at a certain point to break the rules if they can truly rise to the occasion, because if you just follow the rules until the end of the line, you will be annihilated by the machine.
1: And that's and Tom this Cruise's movie- entire thing. Uh, for his entire career, of course, has, has been to basically play act that figure, and it was already ridiculous in nineteen eighty-six when Top Gun came out, but in 2022, it's so absurd. They couldn't think about the American soldier being this vitalist, romantic war hero, who's going right. to be dog fighting, right? It's not only <laughs> back then we were just bombing. Now it's not even people in planes bombing. It's literally just drones. So it's right. he's and so, apparently this movie compelling.
2: Was originally supposed to be they I, I remember like three or four years ago, I was hearing Top Gun two about drones. And at, at some point they said, no, because it's not heroic. It's they're yeah. so boring. You don't, don't want to tell so boring. Yeah story that we can't have tom cruise involved in telling the real story of a military that yeah that machine we told you builds characters it literally hollows them out (laughs) yeah right psychopath you
3: couldn't even have them flying f-35s as they mentioned you know in the beginning of the movie uh because the f-35 expressly is not designed to do dogfighting. it's designed to like lay off a thousand miles away and pulverize something over the horizon uh it's sort of like in a space between a drone and a and a you know, plane that could be used in, in an air to air context. Also, I I read that one of the reasons
2: that they couldn't they didn't use the F thirty five is that the, the cockpit looks doesn't look cool. The cockpit doesn't give like that dramatic like one person in charge of a stick thing that the F eighteen does. So they're like this this is this is lame. It looks like they're driving a fucking uh uh a Pontiac Aztec. Get out of here. Look looks so, like they're lined fucking. They're gonna get a fucking uh cappuccino from the drive through Starbucks. In their in their Land Rover, get out of here.
0: <laughs> and uh, I think uh, Derek and uh, Danny and I talked about yesterday, as far as the original Top Gun goes. It's like in the entire military, like there is nothing cooler than being a fighter pilot. Absolutely, because like, but in the actual nature of war, like bombers are way more important than <laughs> fighter jets. But, like, any movie about bombers is just reveals the squalid, depressing nature of war, which is just like, oh, we have a mission to, like, take out the enemy's uh, water treatment facilities. But when it's, like, it's two gleaming steel cocks just jousting in the sky, you can engage, like... Danny, you were talking about like the whole the whole myth of like air power was like the myth of kind of like a bloodless war where like the best most alpha jocks of two countries who are warring with each other just come together and just fuck each other to death in the sky, and that that determines <coughs> who wins and loses the war. Great! I wish all wars are fought like that, but that's not really why we have airplanes that can you know shoot missiles and bombs from a great height in in our military arsenal. All that's it's not left really... to do
2: is to tell the story. Yeah because right. we don't want to hear the real thing it is so this is we still need this we still need these programs yeah. we still need these machines Just perform because it provides massive amounts of graft throughout the military industrial complex keeps all those factories and all those different states that all make different components for the thing that they put together like fucking legos afterwards <laughs> uh it does all that but it also tells a story of war that could possibly be heroic heroic yeah yeah it, yeah, and it, it tells heroism as like a a value that is that is uh, brought into being.
1: And, and it's the oldest story of war. It's Hector versus Achilles. You know, it's a one on one dog. The old Greek most heroic. It's, it's, a, it's literally, it's, this is not to be too hoity-toity, but Top Gun really operates in like a mythic register. It's like a real deal movie. It feels different from Marvel movies because it's operating on sort of that mass mythic level that so few movies do any longer.
2: Which uh and by the way, that that makes it very funny that one of the chief defenses of uh superhero movies is well actually they're modern uh super they're they're I modern know. myths. <laughs> it's like no totally wrong. No, this is totally a modern wrong. myth. <laughs> it's not yeah. just that oh, he's got superpowers like the gods do. What are you twelve years old? It it's that this is about uh, valor the, 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 and the stories are the of uh, in the mythic structures that like hit our grooves. Right. As opposed to, oh, what do we do to get uh, Captain Bonko to meet uh, <laughs> Professor Dipshit? And, and by the way, Matt, <laughs> like by it, the
0: way, Matt, pitch the next movie. By the way i've seen a lot of people a lot of people try to try to try to you know uh, block the shine of top gun maverick by saying like i 'm mm, seeing a lot of people who uh shit on the Marvel movies for being military propaganda um just cream themselves over top Gun maverick, which is explicitly military propaganda and i 'm saying yes, it is, but it happens yeah. to be good and effective it's propaganda good. it's good movies and are here's supposed to
4: be good, <laughs> good uh, here 's the, <laughs>
0: the thing though like when Chris Hemsworth does his hammer shit, there's, like, there's no weight to it at all. It's just they're prancing around in front of a green screen. And Top Gun Maverick, I swear to God, there's a scene where I can see Miles Teller shit himself when that plane hits like six or seven Gs. Like, that's <laughs> movie fucking magic right there. That's fucking movie magic. So, yes, of course Top Gun is military propaganda. I, as successful as Top Gun Maverick has been, and it's a fucking blockbuster already, I don't think it will juice the Navy's recruitment uh, numbers the same way the
2: original <laughs> Top Gun did. For so- I'm just. It, I'm going it here. It honestly does make it terrifying. There's one detail that's just has still stuck with me, and I, I, like yeah, movies of this size do not stick with me anymore. Like shit through a goose. It's uh, they're, when they're when when the, they're doing the final bombing run and they're getting uh you know uh, engaged with by the fucking surface air missiles and stuff. The the rear like the laser target guy, the nerd, the glasses guy. Uh, Bob played Bob. by Lewis Pullman, so he's like got. A, he's looking to try to to get a visual of where these planes are for the pilot, and he when he turns his back, his to look back, he takes his hand and he puts his hand on the on the inside of the bubble on the on the window, and for some reason that just struck me like that's like a, a, a unconscious like movement. I would just I would always assume you keep your hands on the the you know the the stick or whatever, but it just it showed vulnerability and like real fear. And it's like when, God, when Dr. Bongo is running through the streets, no one is scared of anything. <laughs> Nothing bad yeah. can happen to anyone. Like this glasses guy could absolutely get turned into paste and this movie still fucking works.
0: Uh, well, so, so like I said, back, back to the plot of the movie, uh, Maverick Mitchell is uh, sent back to the Top Gun school to train the best Top Gun graduates to do a... Um, to take um to do a war crime against the sovereign nation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Illegal, <laughs> <Yeah>. authorized <laughs> military action right. in the sovereign and, nation. Okay, so, so we already had um Admiral Raisin Kane played by Ed Harris, but the real the real stupid chief in this movie is uh former Top Gun graduate Warlock played by John Hamm. And here here's all I'll say. I thought John Hamm was great <laughs> in this movie. And I'll say I'll say this. I like John Hamm when he's playing a real fucking prick. Like in Richard Jewell, in this i don't like when john ham tries to yuck it up when he tries to be a funny cool nice guy it doesn't work for me but when john ham is a real motherfucker that's when he comes out to shine and john ham was a great foil for cruise in this movie he's the he's the head of he's the head of the illegal war crime operation and of <laughs> course is the stupid chief who's just like oh like stop being cool you have to stop being cool maverick Damn Damn <laughs> the diaper. Diaper. This, is the, this is the Navy. He's like, the only reason you're here, you were, he's like, um, you were not, just so you know, you were not my first choice. You're only here because of the other, the hidden, the occluded admiral in this movie, Iceman, <laughs> yeah, <should> Iceman <laughs> Kazansky.
3: Well, That's right.
0: Yeah. <laughs> he's, he's, he's chilling in the admiral's club for most of this movie, but Val Kilmer as Iceman is back. And I, I, I tweeted this the other day. Out of all of the details in this movie, the one that really sealed it for me, like my favorite moment of the movie was not any of the incredible dog fights, was not the hitting eight Gs and like a pure, just straight up, like, uh, you know, just pure arc, just straight into the air. My favorite part of the movie is when Maverick and Ice are texting each other, like presumably on Grinder. <laughs> yeah. That's how they communicate. <laughs> and there's just a bubble of text that just says Ice is typing. That that just hit me in my heart so so much. I love that. <laughs> but then, okay, so like so, Tom Cruise Maverick. He only gets this job because Admiral the occluded Admiral Iceman is still protecting his career after he should have been drummed out of the Navy decades ago, probably. Um, but then we, we meet the the new characters, the, the new fighter jocks, and you know have got you've got um, you've got Coyote, you've got Payback, you've got Hangman, you've got Phoenix. And then you've got Rooster.
2: (laughs) Oh, also Fanboy, Fanboy, Fanboy. fanboy. My least favorite. That's like I was like, okay, that was a cringe
0: immediately. Yeah, and uh, of course, and of course, Bob,
4: which I thought was a funny joke because he
0: doesn't have a call sign. He's just like I'm Bob. It's just everyone calls me Bob. So, and then like, uh, it's a, a little bit like of a. I think a little bit of tribute to the you've lost that love and feeling scene where uh, Tom Cruise tries to have carnal knowledge of a woman this time uh, on the premises of the bar. <laughs> so, like, the, the, all, all the cool new fighter jocks, like, they meet... They don't know that Tom Cruise is their teacher yet, and they meet him in the bar, and, like, uh, they humiliate him by throwing him out uh, because he can't pay his tab, you know? But, like, but there's already there's already some beef between Rooster and Maverick because... Maverick, you know, of course, killed his father, <laughs> and but also not, not so much that he pulled Rooster's application from the Naval Academy and and hurt his career because he was just like took
1: four years you know, away from his career.
0: So many war crimes yeah. he could have committed by that. He had to go to grad. He had to. He had to, he had to go to grad school in those four years you know, <laughs> it's,
3: avoid, it's avoid reality I mean, a little bit. This is weird, right? I mean, like he pulls his application, but then what? Like four years later. Like you only get one of those if you're in the navy. Like if you're a captain, you can only pull like one, uh, one kid's application for the naval academy. Like he couldn't do it again; he was blocked somehow. Uh, and this is uh, why he let that. him do it the second time. Because
2: yeah, presumably he would have had to. Have, uh, he just, just forgot like, about it. The well, second he would. He could
1: have done like a a navy ROTC at a at school or at his school or something. So that's what he should have done, or something along those lines. But Matt, I actually had a question because we didn't get to talk about it yesterday. But like, what's your take on the California aspect of the movie? Because in the first one, it makes more sense. You know, California is a liminal space. Maverick, there's that whole gay subplot about Maverick, you know, finding himself and the life and death of being Top Gun. But what do you think in this one, the role that California, and also like we'll talk about on our episode, the sort of Tony Scott of it all with the the beautiful oranges and stuff. So what do you think California plays here? Because in some sense, it's even more of a setting than in the first one.
2: I mean, I think it it plays its traditional role as as embodiment of like finitude, you know. Like America ends at California, literally. You know, America has to like self reflect in California for the first time. And these recent movies by Tom Cruise, is this one more than anyone, is really him in that process of like reckoning with his limitations because he's starting to crack a little bit. It's yep. you can tell. I mean, yes, he he's still willing to. Try to kill himself at every movie he makes now. But you can see, like the lines are forming. Like he did that filler thing where he looked like uh, Norm mcdonald and then he pulled those out. And then, like the creases are start. It's starting to happen. There's one line in this movie. The first line he says to them when he's introducing the mission is, "Time is your biggest adversary."
3: <laughs> yes, right. yes, right. And then he says it again at the end of the setup.
2: Yeah, he sandwiches it. And then he's looking, st- yeah. and that shot is him looking straight at the camera, filling the screen, with and you can see the lines. Time is your greatest adversary, and like that, yeah, this movie is all about him, and of course, by extension, America. You know the the empire he represents, reflecting on like the how do you process like the reality of, of decline when you are not built to confront that, when you are literally right. designed to suppress uh, and sublimate that. How do you how do you deal with that new? Like impossible cognitive dissonance. How do you deal with holding that notion in your head more and more as you age, as you recognize, as you experience actual decline, how do you reckon with it? And the answer that Tom Krause gives gives us and that America is giving us is you fucking put the goddamn pedal to the goddamn metal because the American death now, David Foster Wallace and Felix Biederman agree on this, is somebody putting, driving headfirst into a concrete pylon in, in a fucking Lamborghini. That is it. <laughs> and it's the only way to end this, is that you just have to take what you are doing that is killing you and do it more. And th- and so that is why every one of these Mission Impossible movies, Cruz is doing a more and more extreme stunt.
1: If he yeah, dies right.
2: during one of them, he He's will have succeeded. Death. Valhalla. Yes, I, I,
1: 1,000%. So then why don't they kill him in the movie? I thought that he thats the no, yes, died. Because he has to yes.
2: really die. What I'm saying is like <laughs> <Right>. okay, <laughs> he, the <laughs> he can't I, die even in the maverick. movie. He cannot accept it. Like yeah, he does the "I'm going to sacrifice myself" thing, but then they can't. The narrative can't kill him. He cannot be killed. We cannot accept. We can accept feeling like good people for trying to sacrifice, but we cannot uh, accept having the consequences for that. Like our narratives can't. Our narratives are built on the opposite: uh, forward forever, always winning, always victorious, America continuing. We cannot process it. Tom Cruise can't process it. So when he goes to do the noble sacrifice that should be like him coming to terms with decline. Okay, if I'm going to decline, then let my death mean something. He tries to do it. They won't let him. And you get that great scene where they both survive and they're yelling at each other. Like, how did you, because it's not supposed to happen. There's only supposed to be one person there. That's supposed to be Miles Teller, but he can't do it. Which means that in real life, he is going to have to fall off of like uh, the the International Space Station or whatever the fuck is going to kill him (laughs) in one of these movies. Like Brad Pitt. Burn up on re-entry. Yeah. And just like we are going to just collapse into oblivion from within rather than recognize and try to step down from where we are. A a system that insists, no, we have to have sixth-gen fighters. Well, literally every other element of our social structure is dissolving. like, (laughs) Like... Like a goddamn um it's dissolving like fucking cotton candy in the first row at uh Sea
3: World. <laughs> even I mean, even the fifth fifth gen fighters. And we don't have work. To fifth gen fighters. But but we have to have sixth gen. We have to have eighth gen fighters so
2: that we can blow this thing up at once so that we can make a act that we delusionally think is gonna is gonna keep us going that ends up being our, uh, our nemesis, because we cannot step down. We cannot look at the reality of, of decline, of, of time, what it really means. We can't look inward. So we have to just press the accelerator. And, and that, that leaves a- us in a situation where this movie is supposed to end with the Miles Teller getting in the F-814 and flying home. And instead, you got this old motherfucker hanging around. <laughs>
1: <laughs> it's kind of like when he wouldn't repl- let Jeremy Renner replace him in Mission Impossible. The same thing. It's like he he can't step down. He has to go into the wall. Exactly, Cavill.
2: Cavill. You s- they set up Cavill in that. The, I don't think is it the me- most recent.
1: The one. Yeah, it's the most recent one. the most recent one. Oh, Cavill. Cavill, uh, not Renner. Sorry, they set yes,
2: him Cavill. up like the same way they brought in Shia LaBeouf for Harrison Ford, and but then right. halfway through the movie, actually he's evil. Actually, he has to be destroyed. <laughs> And then, by the way, they're doing another Indiana Jones. Guess what? No Shia LaBeouf. Eighty-five thousand-year-old Harrison Ford. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking about um, just uh, slamming, slamming the your
0: foot down on the accelerator and just going straight into a wall. Uh, the, the 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 mission, the mission particulars themselves in this movie are like okay, so like they're attacking um, one of Iran's like you know heavily fortified uranium uh, enrichment plants, which is basically at the at the bottom of like a caldera. You know, but like, but to act, like to, to to get to the point where they can like drop their laser guided bombs, like uh, they need to. It's, it's two sets of two, uh, one to paint the target and the other to drop the bomb, and then the first bomb like opens up the hole, and then the second one uh, blows up the whole motherfucker. It's basically like the
3: Death Star, you know, like there's it just, it like, is one the exhaust, exact exactly it's a Lin. Lin. the Death Star. It's down Lin. to down to the young pilot who's still learning the ways of the Force. Oh to- yes. Bomb it without his tracking device. Yeah, a fucking laser the doesn't work. The whole thing is the last se- sequence of Star Wars, and it's like he's doing. the
2: use the Force, Luke, thing to him, and he says, and "Don't think, just do." Eyes.
0: Yeah, he says, like Tom Cruise literally says, a-, a Maverick says to Rooster, he's like, "You gotta, you gotta fly instinctually. If you think up there, you're dead." And, and, and like I think at one point Don't he literally says, do. "Don't think, do." So yeah, he's on on that Yoda tip. But um, but but also crucially to get even get to the caldera where like they they do an inverted thing dot like they do an inverted like arc over the top of the first like the lip of the the rim of the mountain, and then they got to hit the target and then just pull straight up and pull like nine g's for like ten seconds, which like you know you know most pilots you just black out like it's just your your brain just turns off, but. Before that, they have to fly below 500 feet, like 500 feet off the ground <laughs> through a canyon system that like weaves in and out to avoid the, the surface, the SAM batteries, the SAM missiles. So they got to fly under the missile batteries and do this like all in under, under two and a half minutes or something like that.
3: The, sa- the SAM batteries, which for some reason, even though they launched this barrage of tomahawks to take out... If they the, don't <laughs> the air base. They can't fucking shoot, even though they know where the SAMs are. Yes, yes. They can't fucking blast these SAM batteries for some reason.
2: I'm trying to think of any explanation that maybe because it would like, because they're right on the edges of the canyon, right? Yeah, yeah it, they're like, right at like, the, the canyon top of the yeah. with garbage and like Rebel do not be able to fly in there. <laughs> I doubt <laughs> it. Because like if they but, uh, blew them all yeah, up, too much they debris, worry yeah. about the canyon, right? They could just go right yeah. in. But, um, like,
0: like but, but many times in this movie, like, John Hamm comes up to the edge of basically saying this is a suicide mission for anyone who does it. <laughs> and about halfway through the movie, like, he's trying to train all the pilots, like, they, and they, they have, like, a, in their nav computer, like, they, 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 they're practicing doing the run, and, like, none of them can get it right. So John Hamm's like, okay, we're just going to give you more time to do this, which just is, like, the, the, the longer it takes, like, the, like, the longer, like, the, the higher your likelihood of just dying doing this. And then, like, once again, against orders, Maverick Mitchell takes a plane out and, like, does the run in, like, under two, two minutes, 15 seconds and just shows them all how to do that. And then at that point, they're like, oh, like, I guess you should just fly this mission. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was out like, pretty early. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, wait a second. <laughs> this is a suicide mission no one else can fly it other than pete maverick mitchell but what, what, why even have this thing of like oh you have to teach these kids how to do it like they're young they're at the prime of their life tom cruise maverick mitchell has been trying to die for the last 30 years he's got no <laughs> yeah, wives no
2: kids they, they 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 need three other pilots because they need the two packages they need the yeah. laser because you need a, one to, to paint the target right, with the laser and the other to fire twice. the rocket yeah so you need two sets, you need two rockets. They set that up. So you need three fighters. But the fact that he wasn't just at the beginning assumed to be the fucking team <laughs> yeah. leader is insane. You need to get three guys, not four guys, because the first montage, the first training montage, is they just do dogfighting and like you know uh, whoever gets uh, he washes uh, well, all of whoever them. gets toned first on the other one uh, wins. And they all have to do like push-ups, And it's just this montage of him owning everybody and never getting right. shot down. And it's right. like, they're still expecting him to just like, go, all right, good luck, guys. Okay. <laughs> a guy who's clearly superior to all the of castle. you. By far uh, the
3: best player on the team. I'm going to just hang out on the I, bench giving you the thumbs up. <laughs> I give John Hamm a lot of credit here because he gets the absolute most cliched line in the movie where he's like, Maverick, I don't know whether to drum you out of the Navy or make you the leader of this goddamn yep, yep.
4: And He <laughs> actually
3: just to pull it off, but it's like, oh my God, that's that's so cringy, come on. But that's, yeah, that, that's where it ends with him uh, Him as the, the new leader of the team. Is there
1: a McCain link here with the Maverick? I don't know if McCain was already nicknamed that in the early 80s. He probably was, but he's another Navy flyer who was na- nicknamed the Maverick. I've never looked. I've uh, been able to find anything, but there has to be. He should a have I don't know
3: if he had that reputation. Was that his calling? Mean, he sign was or just like, what
2: he started calling himself after he was in Congress.
3: I'm I, I pretty know. sure it was a Congress thing.
0: I mean, his record as an aviator, he should be fucking goose. poor.
3: <laughs> he
2: should be goose,
0: not Maverick.
3: Yeah, Kamala Harris has honored it. <laughs> uh, no, I mean, he was still in the wake his, of the like. His, uh, uh, what was the banking scandal? Yeah, yeah. The the Keating name. Savings alone. Oh, it was a rebranding five, after yeah. the Keating Five thing. Uh he should have oh, yeah, okay.
2: fucking he should have been Daddy's boy. That should have been his call sign.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Junior.
4: Yeah. Uh according to uh one post that I found, uh <laughs> n- not many sites but some a few people backing it up, it was Playboy.
3: Playboy.
1: Playboy.
3: Playboy. Okay. Nice. I mean Maverick would have been a good call sign because while you like, you know, mainstream pilots keep your planes in the air <laughs> fucking john mccain just crashes them because he doesn't no. give a shit he's a fucking they're maverick. supposed to gonna not wreck on the fire shit. yeah hey okay, if that's what the rule book says well, uh, speaking
0: of <laughs> uh <laughs> speaking of wrecking airplanes uh there's like, it's in this movie but it's also a big part of the first movie it's something that always pissed me off it's like whenever they're reaming out maverick or something they're like, they're like, you almost crashed a 30 million dollar airplane. They're like, hey, they're like that plane doesn't belong to you. It belongs to the taxpayers. Think of the taxpayers. <laughs> and whenever I saw that, it always pissed me off because I'm like, yeah, it belongs to the taxpayers. I can't fly a fucking F-18. <laughs> the guy in the box, it's his goddamn plane. I don't care if he, he fucking crashes it or not. He's got the skills. It's the man with the fucking stick in between
1: his legs. That's
0: it. Yeah, and they're also worried plane.
1: about budgets. Like, at, yeah, at Arizona, worried, worried about a budget. How much money? Could they possibly, <laughs> like moving around money. We give them more money than they ask so for money. every year. Literally, every general and admiral says we need less money. <laughs> they
2: say, please, no more, no more Abrams tanks, please. We're full. Yeah. we literally yeah. have no. They, say one, they, they, they don't want them, it. Have them, haven't they? They said, look, we have too many Abrams tanks. We don't need any more. Stop making them. And they're like, no, there's factories that make them. So you're going to have more Abrams tanks. So they just stuff Always. themselves
1: officers who say they don't need weapons so it just made no sense from the very beginning that they had to like cut shut down the the mach 10 test program
2: yeah yeah exactly it's like like it would be either or like it's not both right like it's drone army and
3: this thing that can go into exactly it's it's explicitly both i mean this is the f-35 angle when they like, you know, revealed the plane and revealed that it couldn't do any dogfighting. It was like, well, we'll send we'll send them up as like, you know, each F-35 pilot is going to be like the commander of his own drone swarm. And like the drones will do all the actual fighting and the F-35 will just be the hub. So, I mean, it's clearly both and it's not yes, either or always. And the end result is that total organizational
2: creature who's had all their humanity drained out of them.
0: Uh, uh, Chris. Chris found this bit of trivia for me. Um, in the 21st century, um, the U.S. military has uh, exactly one confirmed air-to-air kill. It was an F-18 in Syria in 2017. Shot down what I'm assuming was basically the Red Baron's plane. <laughs> <laughs> it was like Sno- Snoopy was flying the plane that they shot, shot down. down a it, was, was it, was, it was a doghouse. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, they should brought the nicks back.
0: <laughs> and, and fucking Tom Cruise has three in this movie. He fucking splashes three bogeys in this movie. Bringing his all-time count up to five. Movies. He's
3: an ace. Yeah, yeah he's, he's an, an ace. ace.
2: He's Eddie Rickenbacker
3: over here. <laughs> <laughs> you guys, right, it's revealing, this isn't this it that like he shoots down three planes in the first movie, and that's it? Like you, you get to this movie thirty-five years later. He still only shot down three planes. We haven't the hell, had he, any opportunity have, to do that.
2: He bombed the hell out of Bosnia and uh, Iraq. <laughs> to make the point out. So he did that. He was not doing dog fighting. Yeah. We just gloss over all of the it's like how when in the minions movie, they show him they show the minions like being uh, like the loyal allies of the worst evil figures of the era. And then in the in the 30s, they go to Antarctica to so just hang out for 30 years because they don't want to have the minions <laughs> serving Hitler. It's like, and then Maverick did cool dogfights. <laughs> you know, it's like the, the, uh, Knights of the Sky stuff. Uh, you know, there's some um, depleted uranium shell, you know, uh, hospital, yeah. uh, you, know, a few, Radiata, uh, you know, music buildings,
3: et cetera, et
1: cetera. Uh, yeah, Baghdad's our-
2: water supply. <laughs>
1: What's always so funny to me is like both Top Guns are like about bringing back the lost art of dogfighting. But if you've ever gone to like the Smithsonian World War II exhibit and you look at a German pilot, they have like 700 kills and an American pilot will have like 40. Like the difference is so it's not a big American thing, which is kind of funny that it's become like the lost art of dogfighting because the American air power has always been about bombing. That is the only reason that America has an air force is to bomb as an independent strategic mission. So Top Gun is always like out of time. It always feels a little dreamy. You know, it's very much in that Tom Cruise space. Yes. And
0: uh, actually, it reminds me of like, uh, I can think of one American war movie or like one that comes to mind that's uh, specifically about bomber pilots rather than fighter pilots and to make it a point of pride is John Millius's Flight of the Intruder with Willem Dafoe and Danny Glover yep. about the illegal bombing of Hanoi during Vietnam. <laughs> and there's a scene where the main character goes... Fighters get the glory, but bombers make history. <laughs> and, you know, like, that's true. Like, that—that that is how we win war is fucking saturation bombing. It's not... there. There's, there is scenes in Top Gun, in both Top Guns, where planes are, like, flying at 700 miles an hour firing bullets at each other.
2: Bullets yeah, in the air. You
4: know and, what, like, the funniest, uh, yeah, the it's straight, it's straight-up
2: 1v1. Is that, like, the war we actually fight in the air is the relentless bombing campaign that kills tons of civilians. It's not some... Uh, noble chivalric uh, joust in the sky. But the thing is, neither of those are the reason that we win wars historically. It's just stuff we do because we have to have a military to do something. We just destroy. Yeah. That's all it does.
1: And, and that was actually proven with the Eighth Air Force during World War II. Like they bombed the shit out of Germany and it just didn't win the war. Didn't you still had the invasion. Yeah, the only thing was. Was the atomic bomb, uh, and that was, and that was you know, in the, concert
2: with you know like Soviet entry yeah. of the war, and like there's still the firebombing bomb continues going on. Yeah.
4: Like yeah. again, cause yeah. the, the,
2: the the promise of, of of air power in World War Two was, yeah, we're not going to have to invade Europe, and it right, never exactly. worked. And then during and Vietnam, and- more bombs than during World War II, and we lost. Well, yeah. No, we were talking about uh, yesterday in the
0: original Top Gun episode, like the scene where like, they, they first come into the Top Gun program, and uh, Michael Ironside's jester is giving them this feel <laughs> about the Top Gun program. And he's like, in Korea, our KD ratio was 12 to 1. In Vietnam, that went down to 3 to 1. But by the end of the war, we were back up to 12 to 1. It's like, oh, great job, asshole. <laughs> you know, no team.
2: You fuck all for winning the war. <laughs> like, they were getting <laughs> and- shot and- down. <laughs> They were getting shot down by like Vietnamese Air Force planes, <laughs> and so I think I, I, some what are you bragging Chinese, about the United <laughs> States military.
1: And and also in Korea, when he bragged about that statistic, that is the highest per capita death rate war of the 20th century, all from bombing. It's like the the destruct. I think they, they they I think almost every village in in North Korea was like hit by a bomb during that war. It's so horrible.
2: But it was in many ways the best. The coolest war, uh, from the standpoint of aerial dogfighting, because that is the one war where you have like peer to peer jet aircraft, like dogfighting each other. And there were actual instances of U.S. Sabers, uh, having dogfights with Soviet jets over Korea. Like that's the only point where we have like documented point to point conflict, hot war conflict between the U.S. and the Soviet Union in the air over Korea. So that was cool. Wasn't Ted Williams Williams involved? (laughs) Yeah, Ted Williams, Ted Williams was doing that shit. Teddy a fighter pilot, yeah. The Korean War and World War Two, uh, and then, Easy. yeah, had nothing to do with the war though. We still ended up tying.
3: <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> well, not in,
0: after in murdering the
1: uni- people for three years.
0: <laughs> well, in the universe of Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, rest assured that our our, our naval aviators get the job done. They're like, so rogue state, wrong. Bye bye. <laughs> Bye bye. No civilian <laughs> nuclear energy program. No no cancer no cancer drugs. That bad that, that bad boy goes, bye-bye. Um so yeah, like the the, the mission isn't a success. Uh and, you know, as Matt alluded to, spoiler alert, uh you think Maverick sacrifices himself to save Goose's son Rooster, but then Rooster breaks or uh, uh, disobeys orders and saves Maverick. They both get shot down. And I was like, is the end of this movie just going to be them like tearfully on like a like, like a news photo? Joe, like, like, a, like on, <laughs> on the news, just saying, like, I have committed many crimes against the People's <laughs> Republic. Uh, I've committed many crimes against the Islamic Republic. I should be punished. I wanted to apologize to my family and to the people of this rogue nation. And then they just get like tortured to death. And rightly so for their. For their See, aggression. now that would be a <laughs> End it with that. Uh, no, but like they, they make well, sure to say that like and they blow up the runway, but they're like, OK, but, you know, like we're going to leave these hangers untouched because they have a lot of a lot of old antique planes. So Maverick and Rooster, they got to get the hell out of Dodge in the classic Top Gun original F-14. I feel and
1: like you are like, you know, almost making arguments that, that like Tom Cruise actually died and it's all like a dream afterward with the F 14. Cause that's so ridiculous. Yeah. That they would have an F 14 from the original movie. Like, so it's actually like he's fantasizing about saving goose's son and flying away from the F 14. Cause that makes more sense than him surviving that crash. That makes absolutely no yeah, sense. No. The,
2: well, just, I mean, for narratively, like the story makes sense if he sacrifices himself. Right. As it stands, there's a hilarious scene where after, uh, Goose Jr., what the Rooster. fuck? Uh, <laughs> Rooster. Rooster. Rooster Rooster comes back, shoots down a helicopter that is about to machine gun Tom Cruise after he's crash landed, which I'm sorry, they would absolutely take that guy as a as a, uh, as a uh, prisoner of war. That would be a huge propaganda oh, yeah. coup. They don't want to kill him. Uh, but it's like going to blow him up with a minigun. Speed. And then, of course, boom, disobeying orders. Uh, uh, Rooster shows up and blows it, blows it up. And then he gets shot down. Tom Cruise runs over to him and knocks him over and is like what did you do and he's like what are you doing here and then they're just both standing there and they're kind of like both angry at each other for a second because it doesn't make sense
3: it sort of fits rooster's arc because he's like too cautious he's too like he you know his whole thing is like in the beginning he doesn't fly fast enough like he's he's too much you know kind of uh inside the system and Cruz is trying to get him to come out and do you know don't think just fly and this is like the culmination of that, like he ba- disobeys to the orders of the
2: and comes like back now, and,
3: you know, blows this thing up and he is now know, top so gun. Like,
2: if the movie is about how Tom Cruise becomes Top Gun, this is supposed to be the story of how Rooster becomes Top
3: Gun, but he can't. Except he's not allowed to fly the F-14 when they leave.
2: Exactly. It's the way that the the boomers are squatting on all of the accumulated wealth (laughs) of the post-war era.
3: Right. It's like, oh,
2: sorry, son. I'm holding on to this house. Fuck you. I'm holding on to this job. I'm not going anywhere.
1: Because
2: that is the defining characteristic of, like, post-spiritual America is that you can't accept death because we don't have a common vocabulary to make sense of it. So instead, we have to deny it until we are destroyed from outside. And this movie, yes, like after the crash, it really is his dream. And then you have Miles Teller there, who is like the audience telling him to wake the fuck up. The young people saying, hey, snap out of it, grandpa. You aren't supposed to be here. Uh, Well, as I was talking
0: about Rooster, I got to say, this is probably the... uh the first movie I've seen Miles Teller in where I've actually enjoyed him quite a bit. I I did not. I was not bothered by Miles Teller as
4: usual. I, I,
1: I, I like the rooster. Oh, you've got to watch The Offer, Will. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> he's terrible on that
3: show. He is dreadful. He's it, trying to do. We said this
2: with yeah. Molly, uh Lambert. He's trying to do Don Draper. But like if he was only ever cool and not sad or pathetic at all. And he's yes, and so therefore is completely wooden. He is oh god, well, we got
0: we got the real Don Draper in Top Gun. We got Maverick, the real god. Don Draper
2: in this movie, like the malevolent yeah.
0: force. Yeah, um, and then I guess like uh, uh, just two things we haven't discussed in the movie. Uh, br- briefly, uh, Jennifer Connolly, you know, single mother, owns a bar. Like uh, like her, her character is just sort of slotted in there as the you know just perfunctory love interest, I guess like. She she was a waitress at the bar back when Tom Cruise like she was probably No 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 15. she was the admiral's no, daughter. No she yeah, Oh, she, she was, the the oh, the right, right. was the admiral's daughter. Oh, right right, that was the admiral's daughter. Okay, I thought that about, at the, who she is. Okay. Yeah. I just thought she was some teenager that uh, he had sex with <laughs> back in the original era. <laughs> well, no, no. Prove but that I, he I, wasn't gay. Yeah. I, I was. Okay. That, that, that makes more sense that she's an admiral's daughter. Cause I just thought she was a single mother who was a bar owner that also, or also owns like a two mast sailing vessel and a vintage Porsche. But okay. All you need to know about Jennifer Connelly, still 10 out of 10 smoke show. She's, one of the hottest yeah, women. Of all oh my God. Just, it's unbelievably she's it. gorgeous. She's got it going on. And then finally, we got to talk about Val Kilmer. Yes, you know, yeah, it was a very, it was a very, it was a very yes, it was a very like, uh, like a poignant uh, moment in the movie where uh, Maverick and uh, Ice see each other again and they make clear uh, in, the, in the plot of the movie that Iceman is uh, dying of cancer and uh, speaking uh, words is uh, very, it's very painful for him. And, you know, this is, of course, referencing Val Kilmer's uh, real life uh, throat cancer that makes it, you know, very, very difficult for him to speak. But you know, there's a moment I, I, I thought it, I, I was I was touched by the scene with uh, with Ice and Maverick. I, I thought I thought it worked wonderfully, and it was uh, it was just very nice to see them smile and embrace each other. Even you know, like because uh, uh, Ice talks to him through a computer, but then he does Val Kilmer does use his voice at the very end to say like
2: the Navy needs Maverick. You know, they wrote that in because of the reality of Val Kilmer's cancer. That yeah. probably was not there; they wouldn't have made that choice without that. But it ends up working very well because here you have. Like with Maverick confronting decline, the, the memento mori right in front of his face of like what <laughs> the reality of that is. And he gets to look at it and like, you know, uh, you know, have a moment. But then also just fundamentally say not not today, not today. Therefore, not ever.
1: They should have had that when he chose to go back. They should have had him think of Iceman as like that would have been the the choice of decline or sort of ecstatic extinction. That would have made a lot of sense.
0: Talk to me. Talk to. He keeps saying, "Talk to me, Goose." You Talk know, to me, Goose. But, Talk to me, Goose. And then, and then, Miles Teller at the end, like in, in his sort of moment of uh, his crucible of or, life or death, he says, "Talk to me, Dad." And and then at the end, when they're all they've they've you know ended the civilian nuclear energy program, everyone is uh, cheering for them on the air carrier. No more carrier. clean water, folks. Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> uh you know like a rooster and maverick they embrace like ice and maverick at the end of the first one and uh tom cruise says to miles teller he says thanks for saving my life and miles teller says it's what my dad would have done and like that was the, the sort of cathartic moment of them both getting over the death of goose
2: you know, I was and, uh, hoping Goose was like, going to come back which, like she in
1: Ghostbusters. <laughs>
2: <laughs> we look over and he's just giving him the thumbs up on the deck. <laughs> yeah, that
1: would be. Cool.
0: No, it's like, and like also like Anthony Edwards is still alive, but it doesn't yeah. like a CGI Anthony Edwards, it's just <laughs> like Leia in Rise of
3: Skywalker. But it's, I mean, it's strange, right? Because as you said, when we talked about the original one, Will, the end of that movie. When he throws goose's dog tags into the ocean, that's when you're supposed to think he's gotten over the death. And yet we find out he's been like, you know, obsessing about it for the last well thirty years I think, or whatever. I think it's
2: supposed to be like uh I think they're trying to sell it as more than that because they throw in the thing about him pulling the papers. Like the reason that, yeah, that, right. that Rooster, Rooster never blames him for his dad's death. That's just in the background. The thing no, it's he the, says, yeah, that's I'm the mad real about point of conflict. Is that, yeah. Uh he wouldn't Let him join the Navy. And he couldn't tell him that his mom, what it boils down to is that his mom, Meg Ryan, who is dead also uh, at this point, had told uh, Maverick, don't let him do it. Don't let him join the Navy. He's got too much to prove or He's not ready or whatever. And he can't say that. He doesn't want to say that. Blame it on the mom. So he just like says, I, you know, I don't think you, I didn't think you were ready, but that's like the thing that they got to work through. This time, and then they finally at the end of also the, break, the ages make resolve. absolutely because no sense. Wouldn't because because the kid have been has like fifty? He replaced 50? his father. He stepped into the role finally
3: because now no, I mean, is, Yeah, the kid would be like forty with the at The goose point, now. Yeah.
2: He's now goose.
3: The the you're right, Danny. The ages don't don't make sense. I mean, he he should be older than Miles Teller. He should be like you know not a lieutenant in the Navy anymore. Basically, at this point, because uh, it's been so. Yeah,
2: long. but these people are all embalmed. <laughs>
3: <laughs> they're all
2: crazy trying to make like sense the, like time. The, the age people actors are in these fucking movies <laughs> none of it makes fucking sense and it was also young people they, <laughs> they, remember they when have, jennifer lawrence went on a, a like a string where she starred in like four david o russell movies where she was at least like 10 15 years <laughs> too young for the role yes they, that's just what they do it's like they're just like i've got teller what can we put him in what can we put this goofus in because like you know he's clearly got his agent's got some juice because he's in everything, even though he sucks objectively. But like I said, he's okay in this. I think the mustache really helps. It does. It ties his face together. It ties his face Act together. Actually, like rooster's it together. rooster's
0: mustache. Like rooster's mustache is like the only nod to homoeroticism in this movie. That's the only touch. And, uh, yeah, and it's just his dad. <laughs> well,
1: that's the only touch of the Finland that's in this fire. movie. And the, yeah, and does, the, great the great balls of fire, balls of fire on the piano. so that that's actually really interesting because like we were talking yesterday in the context of the first icon that makes a lot of sense because there is that gay text that's just throughout the entire thing. But in this one, you have like the son dressed exactly like the father, looking like the father, playing what was already like oldies in the nineteen eighties, and everyone singing along. It doesn't make any sense. It's, it's it so been, it it so, so weird.
2: Great. It would have been more yeah, than or, so, or something.
1: Anything. <laughs>
0: He sets up to the old, he, he, I don't know, that's old, probably
2: too old of a reference.
0: <laughs> do an old 100 player gecks. piano.
2: You do a hundred gecks or so, whoever the hell, whoever's at Coachella this year. <laughs> Megan Thee Stallion, I don't know. <laughs> Who are these no, guys like? The fire.
1: Kings of People Leon? love Cherry Lee Lewis.
0: He does, no, he, he, you know, he uh, sidles up in the bar, pulls the plug out of the jukebox. Everyone's just like, oh, Rooster, he's going to do it. Saddles up to an old player piano and just starts laying down some wet ass pussy. <laughs>
2: <laughs> uh, he, he just, uh, he's played Lizzo,
1: uh, fucking Melon. Uh, Why do you guys think that yeah. there were, unlike a <laughs> lot of these sort of nostalgia <laughs> IP minds, there weren't a lot of people from the first one? which was kind of unique. There was no stri- um, Slider. There was no Merlin. There was no other guys. That's pretty. Well, Tim Robbins is like, expensive to bring back. No- <laughs> he should have been back for like 20 I seconds. Because like, this movie- I mean, but that was it's all
2: about the psyche of Tom Cruise. You've got, you know, yes. yeah. you've got the figure of the woman. So there's only one of those. And then you've got the antagonist sort of figure of, uh, of Iceman, you know, like there aren't that many people to port over. Uh, and then this one, they have their own like next gen Iceman in the form, uh, like they don't, Hangman, Hangman, yeah. Hangman, like he's there to kind of stand in for that role. And so like there is there are new people at the periphery, but at the center it can only be Tom Cruise and the very like close satellites of him because it's all about him. Everybody else is 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 not real. The farther they get from him, I like and, how you did uh, The wear least a real
0: people of all in this movie, the least real movie, uh, the le- the least real people of all in this movie, just like the original Top Gun. Are the totally dehumanized bogeys that they kill at the end of the movie? <laughs> the enemy pilots, but, like the enemy right, pilots, yeah. they got the perfect. full visor down, full fucking sun shaded. You don't can't have see their faces cool, big at big all. don't have yeah, yeah, they don't Darth have Darth Vader,
1: man. Darth Vader. I mean, it's just that's yeah. the American Empire right there. It's that's what's perfect about the movie. It doesn't fucking matter who they are. They could be anyone. We just go and kill them wherever we want, whenever we want.
0: <sighs> I just, I, I really hope that the U.S. military can just really get, get off the. Hey, yeah, hey, taxpayers, uh, could we have a six-gen fighter plan now. Yeah. Because, <laughs> please, please, because, like, I, th-
2: we're, we're in danger, right? Our pilots, our naval aviators are being put at risk. Uh, we need, actually, what it boils down to is we need a six-gen fighter because we need something for Tom Cruise to crash into the side of a mountain already. Because <laughs> <laughs> he keeps upping the ante, and we've run out of things to kill him with. We have to build a new one that will actually <laughs> do the job. Get him in an F thirty five and let it decapitate it when he <laughs> fucking tries to uh, like bail out. They, that's th- the way his life. Uh, Top Gun three, the
0: mission is okay. It's an even more dangerous mission where they have to fly the F thirty five, but the weather forecast is like a forty percent chance of rain. Yeah,
2: <laughs> just like shots of the paint falling off, just drizzling away off the under the, the plane, rain.
3: Yeah.
2: <laughs> it's, ru- it's literally rusting. In front of you, <laughs> as it's flying through the air, his feet fall through the bottom, like the, and then like that would the all of course, be <laughs> actually filmed, no special effects, and end with uh, Tom Cruise finally just being annihilated the way that he wants to be in glorious his, uh, communion with the art of cinema. Yes, well, literally sacrificing himself to keep movie magic alive. That's why we love Tom
0: Cruise. Uh, uh, like he puts it all on the line for movies. Uh, He was like, you know, this movie will never be streamed or it'll be streamed. But after a long theatrical release, he's he's holding out some light in the darkness for theater owners and theater chains everywhere. He's 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 Mr. Movie Magic. It cannot be denied. Top Gun Maverick. My closing thoughts. I'll just simply restate again. It's an OT level seven movie. I had I I just I, I and then oh, God, at the end of the movie, the last thing you see in memory of Tony Scott teared up. Absolutely teared up. Yep,
2: This movie is the equivalent, spiritually, of four auditing sessions. Those <laughs> normally go for $700 <laughs> each for an hour. This, you can get that entire experience. You can get that, that amount of, of cleansing going on. You can res- get rid of that many thetans uh, for the cost of a theater ticket. It's the bargain of the, of the millennium. It's the that. bargain of the trillion years contract that you sign to become a slave of Sea Org. That is pretty funny that this guy is also a slave owning, uh, psychotic uh, leader of a cult. Isn't that weird? I think it's cool. I mean, you it know, just like adds I said to the, the image, yeah. And like I said, like okay, did
0: Lockheed Martin fund this movie? Is is this just pure <laughs> propaganda for American Empire? Yes is the person who made it and the leader of an insane cult. Also. Yes. But the movie was so good. I'm considering, uh, supporting
2: the U S military and joining the church of Scientology. It's true. It's like when you're explaining how hegemony works, like we always talk about it in, in the terms of like fooling people and and brainwashing or something, because like, uh, but but reality is a lot of it is providing benefits, real pleasure. It's
1: attractive. It's attractive. It's, it's, yeah. It has Absolutely. it's
2: actually viscerally satisfying to see the stuff that that Tom Cruise makes. And to, to have a Tom Cruise, you have to let him be be kind of a god emperor of his own movie <laughs> universe. That's how powerfully he burns. And if we want to capture that on camera, we got to let him do that. It's the price we pay, just like, you know, uh, the horrors of Empire, the price we pay for. The theatrical experience that we get to enjoy it in—we uh, can't deny, It's like, yeah, it's a building block of, of empire and everything, but it's also a thing that you get to watch, and isn't that nice? Than not better than not watching it, better than watching something that's less fun. Because this movie ruled; it was very entertaining.
1: Yeah, it was super entertaining, super entertaining.
2: Well, uh, I think we should uh, wrap it up there for uh, to
0: conclude uh, this session of the uh, fighter weapons school. Uh, this has been Top Gun Week, and uh, I'd like to thank uh, Derek and Danny of the American Prestige Podcast for joining us, uh, boys. People would like to hear uh, the the uh, the crossover top, the original Top Gun episode, or any other of your amazing back
3: catalog or future episodes. Where should they go? AmericanPrestigePod.com. dot uh, We're uh, we're at Substack now, but uh, you can find us there and and check it out.
0: Call sign Vulcan. Call sign Professor. I want to thank you for uh, doing this training exercise with us. And then to trick You can ride our
2: tails
3: anytime.
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> to, tri- to trick shot, squib. And if Felix were here, uh, his call sign would be Sable. It would have to be. Oh
3: so, yeah, yeah. God! Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So for Squib, Sable,
0: <laughs> trick shot, and myself, Catboy, uh, we are signing off. This has been Top Gun Week. Let's let's take us Okay, uh, can we go out with, uh, us, playing stuff. playing with the boys? Potting with the boys. All right, yang. Till next time. Bye bye. Yeah.
3: Bye. Bye.